Hello and welcome to Minter Dialogue, episode number 161. This interview is with a dynamic duo from Sigfox, a big success story out of France, with Thomas Nichols, who's the EVP of Communications, and Marion Moreau, in charge of corporate branding. If you're at all curious about the Internet of Things, Sigfox is really on a path to be one of the most significant players in the IoT area. In this conversation, we discuss what Sigfox is up to, how it is connecting the real world to the Internet, the business model, as well as get a peek at the exciting Sigfox Foundation. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue podcast, where we discuss brand marketing with a focus on all things digital. I am Minter Dial, your host and author of The Mindset, that's M-Y-N-D-S-E-T dot com, where branding gets personal. You'll find the show notes to the blog for the upcoming interview. Let's cut to the quick. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Minter Dialogue. <laughs> Today I'm doing something I haven't done before, which is a Skype with two people. So we're talking uh, new technologies with two people, I, I, one person I've known for a long time, Mario Moreau, and someone who I've met only recently, Thomas Nichols, who's the Executive Vice President of Communications for Sigfox. So hey guys, welcome to the show, and uh, Marion, tell us who you are, what you do, and what's your mindset, and then we're going to get to you, Thomas, after. Hi, Minter, and it's great to hear you uh, today. Um, well, I'm a former journalist. I'm working for an, uh, I've been working for uh, uh, the tech in the tech sector for 15 years ago. I, I began at Club Internet. I don't know if you remember Club I Internet. I do, I do. Which was a great provider, internet provider in France. A uh, great uh, epic adventure. Uh, I was uh, so lucky to to feel this adventure, and uh, I'm specialized in the tech sector and uh, innovation. Um, I'm very keen on uh, um, many many startups here in, in France and uh, and Europe. And I just uh, joined Sigfox a few months ago now. Um, I'm so proud about of, of, of that. I think it's a, a great adventure, the second adventure of my life probably. And uh, well, I'm feeling about the, my mindset. I'm feeling very, very happy. Um, I'm a, a very optimistic person, I think. And uh, and yes, I'm I'm enjoying meet uh, some people and uh, some optimistic people like me. You are certainly on a great trip, Marion. It's been uh, we've known each other for quite a while now. But Thomas, tell us who you are, what you do at Sigfox, and I, we also need to little understand a bit more about what Sigfox is, as well as your mindset. Hi, Minter. So thanks for having us on, uh, on this podcast. So first of all, who am I? Uh, so as you mentioned, I'm in charge of communications at Sigfox. I've been a part of the Sigfox adventure since uh, the beginning, more or less. Um, and one of the people who are very passionate about, uh, about what it is we do at, at Sigfox. So this is much more than just a, a, a company that has a, a specific solution it wants to sell. This is a company that has an ambition, uh, which is related to changing uh, how we connect things to the internet. So I'll get into more details with that. Sure. Uh, so just in regards to, to my mindset, I would say <clears throat> curious, passionate, uh, here to change things for the better, hopefully. Uh, doesn't always succeed, bumps along the way, but the goal is definitely to learn more, change things, have an impact on how the world functions. Uh, that would probably be sort of the, the summary of, uh, of my mindset. And tell us where your accent comes from, Thomas, so we understand who you are and where you're, where you're settling. 
That's a very complicated question to answer. <laughs> like my, my four grand grandparents were from four different countries. Oh, there you go. I've personally lived in four different countries as well, from Kenya to uh, to different countries in in Europe. So uh, born and raised mostly in Denmark, uh, but with a father who's half Austrian, half English, a mother who's half Swedish, half Danish. And with about a year uh, in my childhood, uh, playing with the Maasais in uh, in Kenya. Kenya. Wow, I love that. So, and Marion, so it's been only a few months since you joined Sigfox. Tell yeah. us, um, what was the inspiration for you to come over and join Sigfox? Give us an idea. Well, I met uh, the CEO and the co-founder of uh, Sigfox, Ludovic Lemont, uh, a few years ago now. And we it's been a long time that we, we share uh, his... Uh, history inside Sigfox and the great adventure, as I said, uh, of this uh, um, unicorn hero, as we, as people uh, like to say. But um, he he just uh, asked for something very particular, what uh, I can tell you more in, in, uh, in this show, uh, to launch a foundation uh, because uh, he thinks, personally thinks that the Sigfox technology is very useful to to general interest in, gen- in general, so um, it was a, a strange idea uh, to me at the beginning because uh, I am not so specialized in the, in the foundation uh, managing. But I think this uh, this uh, project is uh, is a, a very very big project. So I just you know uh, I just. Uh, Thought about that a few minutes, uh, and I say, okay, it's a, it's a great and uh, it's a great idea. I think it's very, very useful for many many people. Uh, so I said, yes, okay, I just join and uh, let's go. So I was uh, reading Wired uh, UK yesterday, and I saw that Ludovic was uh, mentioned as one of the top one hundred most influential people. Pretty cool. So um, listen, Thomas, tell us now a bit more about what is Sigfox because. While it's a, a huge success story in France, it's probably not as well known everywhere around the world just yet. So tell us a little bit more, for those who don't know it, what is Sigfox and what's it about? Sigfox uh, is basically focusing on connecting the physical world to the internet. So if we look at the last 20, 30 years of, uh, of technology, we've all seen the arrival of the internet. We've seen the arrival of mobile phones, computers, uh, websites, email, and other types of services that all somehow use the internet. Now, the whole idea of Sigfox is to say, what if not only our mobile phones um, could be connected to the internet, what if we could know exactly what is happening anywhere in the world around us? And I very often do sort of a parallel with, uh, with Superman when I, when I talk about uh, the IoT. Superman, he knows when someone is in distress anywhere in the world. He can see through walls. I, I believe he can even see through clothing, which is a completely different story. <laughs> but he knows what's happening in the physical world and can, and can thereby react upon that, so save people's lives, etc. That's what we do, actually. We basically want to turn all of us into Superman and Superwomen. We want us to be able to know where things are located. So if things are moving, uh, where is it now? Someone stole my bicycle. We want to know when an earthquake is about to happen. We want to let people um, know uh, when someone has fallen in their home, an elderly person, for instance. Basically, 
extending the five human senses to the world around us. So usually I can see what's right in front of me, but what if I could see what's happening anywhere in the world? What if I could, um, what if I could hear what's happening anywhere in the world? That's what Sigfox is about. So that's the overall vision and mission for Sigfox. It has been the goal for Sigfox from day one to, to provide a solution for that. And the way that we do that today is that we, uh, first of all, roll out the infrastructure. We need to be able to pick up information, data about what's happening in the physical world. So in order to do so, we are rolling out a network all over the world, uh, which is somehow similar to the telephone network. So we put up antennas around the world. And all of those antennas will basically provide us with one gigantic ear to be able to hear and detect anything that's happening around the world. And then people can create very, very low cost, very, very cheap uh, devices that can then use this network, this infrastructure that we have rolled out in order to send and receive small messages to say what's happening in the physical world and maybe receive some, some instructions. So, so that's basically what we're doing. And uh, the real revolution behind all of this is that it's nothing new to connect stuff to the internet, right? I mean, I mentioned mobile phones. We've got 2G, 3G, 4G. Soon we'll have 5G or in 10 years' time. So that, that already exists in Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. But all of that requires us uh, to pay a lot of money to connect something. And it requires us to change or charge batteries more or less daily. And that will never allow us to connect the physical world around us. Especially if How can you connect a tree uh, if you need to change batteries all the time, right? Mm. So the real revolution behind the technical aspects of Sigfox is that we allow physical things to be connected using ridiculously small amounts of energy, eventually enabling what's called energy harvesting. So you can just use light, artificial, natural light, or movement, or wind, to generate enough energy to actually communicate over the internet. All right, so so we're not talking satellites. We're talking rather terrestrial uh, network. And are you building it from scratch, or are you piggybacking in off of some existing infrastructure in order to have this sort of sprawling worldwide network? <laughs> well, actually, it's funny that you put it that way, because we will be going into satellites. Ah. But as it is right now, we're rolling out a terrestrial network. That is true. We currently have um, more than 1 million square kilometers covered uh, in, in uh, four continents. And we're rolling out very, very quickly. We started the rollout in June 2012. And we already, again, have more than 1 million square kilometers covered and, and, and we'll be rolling out very quickly. We have already announced that we are working with, uh, with a company called Airbus Defense in Space, the former Astrium, with whom we'll be sending up uh, network infrastructure on satellites. Because again, for us, the whole idea is to say, we need to be able to know what's happening anywhere in the world. If someone uh, who's doing climate research wants to know what exactly is happening in regards to the melting of the ice on the North Pole, then we need to have some sort of infrastru infrastructure that can allow us to collect that sort of data. And we want to enable that. So, all right, that's cool. Uh, what, what, uh, first of all, one million square kilometers. Give us an idea what that means. Is that how? Is that all of Europe? Is that uh, half of the world? What, 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 what does it mean in in the scope of what you're trying to achieve? 
Yeah, so the, the, the whole idea is to say that um, the Internet of Things is about, again, ubiquitous, seamless connectivity. So no one should have to think about how the network works. They just need to, to put a small piece of hardware within a device or on a tree or whatever, and then the tree becomes connected over the Internet. So um, we are doing a, a rollout which is somewhat similar to a telephone operator. So we install, again, antennas. And we are, are not just doing spot coverage. We are actually rolling out entire countries. And we currently have uh, eight countries uh, where we have or are rolling out nationwide networks. And we have quite a few cities elsewhere around the world that are already covered. And again, we will roll out this terrestrial network all over the world and cover oceans using uh, satellites uh, also in the near future. So, so again, it's really a, a seamless coverage. Now, the advantage we have is that the physical world will not need the same type of connectivity as mobile phones. On my mobile phone, I want to be able to post pictures from the beach on Instagram. I want to watch an interview or a, a, a Minter podcast, listen to a, a Minter podcast on my mobile phone. I need multimedia, high bandwidth connectivity. That's not what the majority of, of the physical world will need in order to exchange information. It'll just need to say, this is the temperature. Hey, there's a forest fire that just started, and here's how fast the wind is blowing and in which direction. Simple pieces of data. So that's all that we focus on. We focus on providing connectivity that is dead simple. Think about Twitter. When Twitter arrived, everyone was looking at blogs and we had Blogger that, that Google bought and, and WordPress, all of these advanced platforms. Then Twitter arrived and people said, 140 characters? That is completely ridiculous. No one will ever use that. But by simplifying things, they actually managed to be the ones who democratized web publishing. And we have sort of the same approach. It's a very, very uh, simple type of connectivity. You can only exchange very small messages. And that strict focus allows us to use a completely different type of technology for connecting the physical world to the Internet. And that's, that new type of technology allows us to roll out this network, this Sigfox network, using a very simple infrastructure. So to cover a country like, say, France, where we are located right, right now as we are speaking, um, we need about 1,500 antennas where a telephone operator needs several hundred thousands of antennas. So we're talking dead simple network infrastructure. And that's basically the secret to why we can roll out so quickly. All right, so one of the things that's gotten a lot of attention, of course, is that you guys are in France, you're a success story, and you're getting a lot of uh, backing, funding. So tell us a little bit about the types of companies that have come in and, and are sponsoring you. Because the question behind this, Thomas, is the government relationship. Because when I hear you talking about listening to what's going on, my, my ears, my mind goes to NSA and so on. So start with who, who's come in and supporting you and the backing, and then we're going to talk about the government thing afterwards. Yeah. So um, the important thing, just to clarify, is that Sigfox is an enabler, right? We, we roll out a, a new tool that people can use to connect to the Internet. So we are not, um, as such, implementing the services that will run on this network. We are rolling out 
the network that will facilitate the creation of different sorts of applications. And you can imagine all sorts of applications within all industry sectors, um, all types of use cases. Uh, we can get back to some uh, later. So we have an interest from all sorts of different types of companies. So we have raised uh, about $150 million uh, till this date. And the type of investors we have on board uh, include or could bas basically be separated into three groups. We've got network operators, so mobile network operators, who um, who have identified just as such the need for a new type of network infrastructure, because what they do and what they do extremely well is provide multimedia connectivity. But again, to connect the physical world, we'll need an additional, a complementary connectivity solution. So we've got three of the world's largest network operators who have invested in the company and who are working with us as partners. Then we also have big industrial actors who see a huge potential within their businesses to do all sorts of things, such as manage logistics more efficiently, such as improving maintenance, but also inventing and innovating within their space to create completely new types of solutions. And then the third type of investors we have are uh, VC, so more capital, uh, capital funds, because rolling out a network requires a certain amount of cash, especially if you want to do it very, very quickly. And are these VCs uh, European-based or US-based? So uh, what happened for, for Sigfox is that uh, there are many advantages related to starting uh, a company in France, especially a technology company. But when you have a startup and you get to amounts of money uh, such as what we raised in our last round, which was 100 million euros, then you very quickly uh, have a much shorter list of potential investors in France, even in Europe as such, mm -hmm. especially when you're talking about a startup, so sort of a new and obviously somewhat risky, some would say adventure. <clears throat> so we do have investors um, also from Europe and, or, sorry, also from the US and, and Asia. All right. So let's just dig in on this one other point, which is, so you're this network, uh, I would say, enabling the connectivity. Your customers, what are your, how do you, how, what's the business model? And if the government says, well, I'd like to participate in this, what's your posture? Well, the government as such participating in the activity of rolling out and managing a network, that does not make sense. Sure. This needs to be as independent as, uh, as the Internet in the sense that it's really an enabler. Uh, so just like the, the Internet is, when it works well, it's transparent, right? Yeah. What you use is not, like today when you ask people to go to a, to a specific website, they generally open Google and, and do a search for, for that domain, right, instead of typing it into the address of their browser, because it, it has just sort of become infrastructure. So the government getting involved in, uh, or governments getting involved in the network as such does not make sense. Will they use it? Uh, I, I definitely think so, just like they use the internet. Um, but that's sort of that is sort of the involvement that uh, they will have. Mm -hmm. Now, in regards to data uh, and data protection, etc., that is obviously something that we take extremely seriously. Uh, we have obviously a high level of security on the network infrastructure and on the management of the data that is being sent back and forth over our network. But we do not <clears throat> actually understand the data that we transport. We don't want to understand mm -hmm. it. 
we are an agnostic network that just transports data efficiently. So we make sure that that is secured. And then we let the companies who build solutions that use our network uh, manage the business sense and, and, and putting sense into the, into the data. That makes sense. Uh, it makes the reason I sort of get into it is I met the fellow who founded Shodan, S H O D A N, which is a search engine for IoT. And uh, what, what I remember one of the things that was uh, def very defining in the conversation was how many of these items with sensors are not protected. You know, so you know the classic idea of the fridge that tells you that you need to get more milk, but that information is going unprotected out. And at a certain point, is is there an issue? Is is one of the things that's maybe a risk in your model? This whole notion of too much openness, because in the end of the day, on the one hand, you're going to want to be able to capture all those sensors emitting the the small amounts of data. On the other hand, as soon as it, if if I were as a citizen to know that my fridge is now being captured and being sent out, you know, the who who's going to, well, I, you know, I I'm not sure if people want to know about my milk consumption, but you know, at a certain point, there's an openness that ends up being a little bit scary. Yeah, definitely. So, um, I mean, the role of Sigfox is, again, sort of similar to the Internet, right? So <clears throat> when you talk about privacy concerns, you don't talk about the Internet as such. The Internet is just a backbone. Obviously, it needs to be secured. So we need to make sure that SSL, so the HTTPS, is secured enough, etc., but what people really focus on is applications because that's where you share your data, right? So <clears throat> you, might, uh, you might purchase a fridge from a specific company and that company will be the company managing the data. And they will understand, <clears throat> sorry, that the, you got the a frog ones in and your zeros <laughs> that are being sent from your fridge uh, actually mean that you are out of milk. So that company will need to secure that data and make sure that there's a clear opt-in so that you know exactly what is being shared. Um, and that obviously is a very big, uh, I wouldn't say concern because uh, it's obvious that it needs to be dealt with, but it, it is one of the important things to be looking at when we talk about the IoT. Um, Sigfox, again, focuses more on the backbone and sure. securing that, and we don't understand the data. But obviously, things need to be to be secured, yeah. and data needs to be um, data that is being shared needs to be on an opt-in basis, especially when it concerns people. And we need to make sure that if we send data about what is the current status of the electricity infrastructure in um, in the US, then we need to make sure that it's not possible for for someone from the US or from the outside to just send an instruction and take down the entire electricity network. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that needs to be secure. So all mm -hmm. of the applications being built mm -hmm. uh, in, in the domain of the IoT need to be secure. But I think it's important just to put this into the bigger picture. What people call the IoT, very quickly they start to talk about use cases such as connected fridges, right? Mm -hmm. When we talk about the IoT, we talk about connecting the physical world. This is much bigger than that. Obviously, a part of that will be specific silo applications. Some of them will be platforms. But right now, the stage we're at when it comes to what we call the IoT is actually really building the enabling building blocks. Mm -hmm. We are in the very, very early stages of what truly is the IoT. And that is why we hear about connected fridges. That is why when you talk about the IoT, people will talk about the Apple Watch 
All of those applications are probably great, but that's not why this is going to be gigantic. It's going to be gigantic because we will be able to know exactly what's happening in the physical world. And that is just the early days. And all of the security concerns, all of the new applications will be built and all of the different actors will need to respect standards that will need to be established by governments and by independent bodies, etc. Mm, well, it's going to be fascinating. So if you take a, um, a snapshot of where we sit today with a million uh, square kilometers, where do you see, I mean, because the IoT, Internet of Things, everyone's talking about it, it's happening. Of course, we were just talking about fridges and cars and so on. But what, where, where is the most amount of data to be collected at this point? Because we're talking about 50 billion items that are being connected in, in, in the space of four or five years. It's obviously burgeoning. But where today does it sit? I mean, are we talking mostly Western Europe and North America? Or is there a lot of stuff that's going to be happening in Africa, in Asia and so on? That is actually a very interesting question because when we started out, um, so that was even before our commercial launch in 2012, when we really started out with SIGFUNDS, we had to spend a lot of time sort of justifying the existence. Why do we need to roll out a new network? And what do you mean when you talk about the connecting the physical world? And no one really knew what was going to happen on this, this new type of infrastructure. What we are seeing today, and that has been a very, very rapid evolution, is that we, we talk to people that have all sorts of different applications within all sorts of sectors. Some are very industrial. I need to optimize my business process. I need to know when something breaks down so I don't need to pay for teams that drive around in their cars looking manually to see whether something is working. They want to be alerted when it breaks down so they only send out people, only pay to send out people when something breaks down. And that is good for us because that's where the, the money is today. Sure. That is within the industry. Yeah, There's a real return but, on investment there. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, we need to somehow uh, be paid for, for what we do, although it's it's a passion. We need to also eat once in a while and, and buy milk, etc. But um, what, what has started to happen, I would say, about two years ago, is that we started uh, receiving uh, requests from people who had projects that did not necessarily have a commercial insensitive. Uh, we, there wasn't sort of big bucks to be made on those projects. But a lot of those projects were really, really fascinating. There were projects that were about uh, saving lives of animals, so endangered species, for instance. There was climate monitoring stuff, stuff about saving people's lives. And um, it was sort of, in all transparency, a huge frustration for us hmm. uh, as sort of the, 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 the managing team, but the entire team at SIGFOX to have to say, I'm sorry, but uh, we really love the idea of, uh, of monitoring what's happening with 11 rhinoceroses in, in, in Zimbabwe in Africa, but there isn't a lot of money to be made, so we cannot allocate a lot of resources to that type of project. So that has been sort of a growing frustration on our part, because to get back to your question, we see at least as much potential, maybe even more, uh, it's an interesting question, from not necessarily third world, but, but let's say without sort of the capitalistic big industries, we see so much potential in regards to connecting the physical world. 
uh, and have been very frustrated with not um, being able to really work with all of these interesting people and organizations. Mm. So that actually leads me to, I would say, the introduction of of why uh, why we asked Marion whether she would uh, come work with us because we got to a point where it, it just, we couldn't, we, we're so passionate about uh, this domain that we want to be able to work with all of these amazing people and organizations who want to connect the physical world to do good, yes. to save people's lives and, 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 and get a better, of under, better understanding of what's actually happening with the climate instead of just guessing, uh, etc. So, uh, so we decided to, to launch sort of a structure uh, that would allow us to also work on these very passionate projects. Q Marion. <laughs> so Marion, this yeah. Sigvox Foundation um, that uh, Thomas is just, uh, I would say, uh, alluding to, tell us where you sit on that and what is the purpose of the Sigfox Foundation? The purpose, uh, as Thomas said, is um, is um, like an, an, you know something obvious inside Sigfox vision because, uh, as Thomas said, we are um, we are an, an enabler uh, for rollout, rolling out a network, and this network is so useful uh, and can can bring a, a bring a big value to to general interest, as I said at the beginning. Um, for for instance, we can solve many problems. Uh, we can save and protect lives. We can prevent from dangers. We can make life better. Um, so, so if, I, if I just jump in a second, you, yeah, uh, things that I you know that come to my mind are Ushaidi, which has been which is a network or at least a, a system that allowed people to identify uh, rioting in Kenya mm. that you probably know mm. about Thomas and or the the uh, earthquakes in Haiti and so on. And then I'm also thinking about rainforest collection, which you probably mm -hmm. remember from, uh, I think, at NetExplo, yeah, trying to save trees. So these are the types of organizations that you're working with and trying to sort of f figure out how to create business models for them. Well, go tell me, or tell me more anyway. Yeah. What, what we want to do is, uh, just to resume, is to bring help. We want to help, we want to support, we want to, uh, to work with many people that are very... Uh, engaged in uh, in how we can change the world, we can uh, how we can you know transform uh, and prevent from uh, from the big issues that uh, concerning the planet, the the environment, or the uh, the animal of or the, the, the these fields. So with the technology, we can. There's something very interesting because we can uh, bring, we can prevent from dangers. We can we can have a very useful action before uh, there is a problem. If you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So what is interesting, for instance, we can with the network we can easily um, save. And solve problems. Sorry, we can solve problems before there is a problem, like and that predicting. is very, very brand new. It's sort of the notion of predicting where things are happening. Like uh, you imagine that this might be the, the land's getting too dry, and a forest fire could come up. Is yeah, it, is it more yeah, that there are, yeah. There are there are a few use cases that are that we are studying uh, at this time. For instance, we can um, we can provide a, an alert system uh, on uh, on something very special about the environment issues. Uh, for instance, in Colombia, we were, we are working with uh, an NGO um, and uh, some key people uh, locally. And what is interesting with this alert system is that we can, you know, uh, catch some signals, but very very 
you know, at the very beginning of uh, something that could be a problem, you know, before a natural catastrophe. And what is interesting is with Sigfox, we can tell people before there is a problem, mm -hmm. we can tell the population uh, and the locals that, you know, be careful, there is something uh, that uh, is happening uh, or something, you know, for instance, an earthquake, the beginning of an earthquake, also, or before a fire in, in, the, in the forest. So mm -hmm. we can very, we can bring the value on this field. And I think the, te the, the technology is very, is a very, very brand new help for uh, environment issues, for instance. And the fact that it's really low, uh, low bandwidth requirements, yeah. obviously is going to help you in, in dispatching it around the world. And because we're talking about NGOs and all this as well, presumably they don't necessarily have a lot of money for this sort of stuff. The fact so you can do it in a very cost-effective manner to cover the world and allow this to happen. So tell us where is I mean where is the foundation in, in terms of its journey of existence? Yeah, this time uh, we're based in Paris. Uh, the foundation um, would would be launched in a few weeks uh, right now because uh, we're just adjusting the, the you know the latest uh, details. Uh, so we will be based in Paris. Uh, of course, we are all we will work with all uh, the Sigfox teams because uh, this is a very and this is the other part of this project and the vision of the foundation. This is a a very uh, you know, a collective uh, projects. All the people inside Sigfox are very already uh, engaged and very involved in this project. They are. They think that the foundation is uh, is so useful for their own job. And I think it's interesting just to remind that a foundation is not you know something a part of the company. And okay, I will work alone with uh, with NGOs, and that's okay. No, this is a very collective. Uh, uh, work. Uh, I think uh, this is uh, the the other interesting part of the project that we we can work with uh, engineers, uh, with uh, Sigfox, uh, all the Sigfox teams that uh, want to be part of this uh, uh, the next big uh, epic adventures. Well, it, it it seems so. It's funny you mentioned that sort of how some other foundations exist as sort of a you know tick the box of a CSR program, whereas for you it's so overlapped in the sense that it is kind of your business to connect. And so the way I see it is you have the connections that are allowing businesses and paying people, if you will, and then uh, allowing others who are not necessarily so commercial, uh, but have other interests that are more humane and uh, deal with our, our earth as a whole connecting. Is that how it sort of spits out? I'm sorry, because there, there is a cut just in the, oh, in the question. So sorry. I was assuming, Could you just, yeah, the, okay. the, the, the way it's broken out is you have Sigfox, on the one hand, connecting people who are prepared to pay for it, and then, yep. and then Sigfox Foundation, more about connecting people who don't have quite as much money, you know, like the NGOs and so on, to connect. Is that, is yes, that, is that a fair way of uh, approaching it? Yes, well, yes. Yes. Um, what we, what the foundation uh, aims is to provide uh, the, um, the network to uh, people that uh, have not enough, you know, uh, means to yeah. to roll out an, um, an efficient network or system. So what we imagine is to to have a lot of sponsors uh, that are, will be involved in the foundation uh, because we think we we have to. To work with uh, many companies or organizations mm. that want to be part of the the change, the global change, uh, we are in discussion with uh, with some of them. Um, this is a 
um, and um, you know an interesting point that we want to 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 be uh, we're not this is not a branding you know uh, the foundation mm. this is not a, a, a brand or something linked with the image of Sigfox this is this is a big project that we we want to be um, we want to change something we want to be uh, to bring efficiency and companies are understand, understanding and want to be part of that so we're looking yeah. for sponsors yeah. at this time and the sponsors and the Sigfox resources will be part of the efficiency. I see. Well, I mean, just although it may not be branding for you, I, you know, going back to the little comment I had before, it may end up being branding for others who are sponsoring because they like to tick the box and say, look what we're doing. We're sponsoring, you know, this great initiative. Anyway, that's another point. But, you know, um, listen, last question before we uh, wind it up. Um, so you guys are dealing with Internet of Things. You got a million square kilometers t tagged up. You got this data that's coming in. You don't I, I understand that you don't want to understand whether it's my milk being run out or not, but do you have any sense what what is the data telling you that the, in, in, in so much as you're receiving all this data already from a meta level? Is there anything that you can extract that's of interest for us even now? Yes, Thomas. Yeah. Uh, yes, there is, and that's actually a very very good question. Um, again, the, the infrastructure that, that we have. You can again, as I mentioned, looking at look at it as a gigantic ear, right? So we, we, we hear different sorts of noises coming from the physical world. So we don't want to go into actually understanding that you need more milk. That's not our business. We do not want to be the ones delivering milk. But to go back to to take one of the examples that um that Marion mentioned in regards to what we're doing with the foundation, um having a gigantic ear can actually allow us, even without understanding the, the, the data that is coming from sensors, can allow us to detect that something is happening in a specific zone. So people always talk about big data. That's one of the other sort of uh, big buzzwords. Um, but big data uh, in the sense of the IoT and it specifically Sigfox can also be that we manage to understand a certain pattern of noise coming from the physical world as being an indication of a beginning earthquake. Mm -hmm. So that means that even without actually understanding the data, we can detect something that is happening or that is about to happen or that has just happened somewhere in the world. It also allows us to understand sort of the nature of how things communicate to say, oh, we don't understand the data, but we know that there's an issue with this physical object. We don't know the nature necessarily of the issue, but we know that this object usually communicates, say, once a day. All of a sudden, it stopped communicating. So maybe there's been a new building built in, in that city, or maybe a tree has been cut. So, uh, so yeah, so it's a very good question. And the metadata and the meta part of it is, uh, is also something that's, uh, that's very interesting. Well, um, that's great. I am thrilled. I can't imagine the kind of uh, database management system you're going to have to put in place <laughs> to figure out what on earth, so to speak, that sound or that data means. All right, well, listen, so someone who wants to connect with you, lists, I mean, so if I'm an NGO and I'm interested in, in, in dealing with the foundation, Marion, how could someone find you, track you down, 
and then we'll get to you, Thomas, in a second. The best way to connect is to uh, to put, maybe find me on Twitter. Uh, my ID Twitter is uh, Marion underscore Moreau, M-O-R-R-E-A-U. Um, and uh, we'll probably make some big uh, noise when the foundation will be launched in a few weeks. So I guess um, I guess we we will bring uh, you know so many. Uh, uh, ways to to communicate about watch, that. Watch this space. And Thomas, how can someone uh, follow you, read, read what you're up to, track you down? Um, they can. Uh, the easiest, I would say, would be for people to uh, shoot us an email at contact at sigfox.com. And obviously, if someone wants to get a hold of Marion uh, and and the the foundation team, we will route that. Uh, we'll forward that to them. And otherwise, any other sort of contact in relation to what we do or me or whatever uh, can go to contact at sigfox.com. Splendid. Well, it's absolutely fascinating. I'm thrilled to have you had you on. And I think uh, you guys are on to something big, as we know. So uh, good luck with everything. Thanks for coming on the show and look forward to staying in touch. Thanks Thank a you. lot, Minter. Thank you very much, Minter. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue Show. You'll find the show notes on themindset.com, that's mindset with a Y, where you can also sign up for my weekly newsletter at forward slash subscribe. If you like the show, please do rate it in iTunes. That really makes my day. Happy trails and enjoy Josh Sachs's Painted Fingers. Oh, fill me with all your colors any different way.
My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out.